So God doesn't want us to fake it. He doesn't want us to have a faith that uh, tries to act like we're not hurting. God wants us to be real. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Eliff, and we have the privilege of being your host on this. And we say this every week. Listen, we don't know what we're doing, but we love doing it, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, we're having more fun than my my brother used to say, more fun than shooting rats at the city dump. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm using that. I'm using that. But you know, it's the it's the theme yeah. of of revival and spiritual awakening right. and prayer mm-hmm. that leads to that, and all the things that lead to that. That's just at the core of our hearts. So, yeah. what a joy to talk about it week yeah. after week, and and hopefully uh, educate us and <laughs> and stir us up, and right. you know. Uh, more prayer yeah it did this morning and like i woke up thinking i don't want to be a guy sharing it that's not living it and things that god's speaking to us in it and we've been looking over these last weeks in the podcast about all kinds of prayer really you Mm -hmm. see in ephesians 6 and other places where the lord says you know the prayer is this priority but there's many forms and fashions and pursuit points in prayer and we've been laying out like a piece at a time like a puzzle of prayer Mm -hmm. to see what that looks like and i know today we're going to talk about surrender you know and mm-hmm. what it looks like and surrender mm-hmm. plays out in life you know yeah it, it it's played. hard to let go some you know i i, I uh I, of course i've got eight kids and four boys and and we wrestled i oh, mean yeah. we just wrestled all the it's time the and the great thing is as a dad right i you know you just have uh the power to intimidate <laughs> you're, you're bigger you're bigger for a while sure even though when you're not bigger, yeah, you're in their head, bro. You're in their head. <laughs> and I was doing fantastic yeah. until one day, oh, and boy. and I'd get them to, to cry, uncle, you know, yeah, cry right. calf rope or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and then one day, my oldest son David Mm-mm. reached out. We're wrestling, and he grabs me by the Adam's apple. Oh. <laughs> you you went rut row, <laughs> and I thought, and I said, uncle, uncle, yeah. uncle. And uh, I said, David, that's not fair. He said, Who, you hadn't been fair with us for years. <laughs> but I just thought, okay, I surrender. And you know we never wrestled you were, again. <laughs> you surrendered and you retired. retired <laughs> in the exact same moment. Yeah. That's, that's great. I mean, surrender is a part of life. Yeah. You know, and it's sure a part of prayer. Oh, my stars. And, uh, you know, you... You can't really pray right Mm -hmm. until at least at some point in that praying, you come to the place of surrender. And so that's one of the kinds of prayer is surrendered praying. And we want to talk about that for just a moment. You know, nobody modeled prayer better than Jesus. 25 different times he talked about prayer, modeled prayer. Mm. And I love this little uh, verse in Mark 14, 34, and then 36, he said this, My soul is deeply troubled to the point of death. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. What what an incredible prayer that he prayed. And this was at the most difficult moment of his life as he faced the cross. Uh, let me just pause and ask you this question. How do you pray when it gets really hard? 
I mean, when it's when it's so tough that that you feel like you can't breathe, when when some situation has has grabbed you by the Adam's apple, has has grabbed you by the throat, and you just uh, you don't you don't know what to pray. I know sometimes my prayer at that point is one word: help, just help. But there's a component in this, several components in this, in Jesus' prayer that really teach us how to pray in the toughest of times. So let let me just mention several things from this text. First of all, in that tough moment, approach the Father personally. You know, uh, your prayer life will change when it becomes personal. When when the, the Father is not some distant being to you, but when you're walking into his presence in the throne room and you have a personal conversation, an intimate conversation with God, when he's not just a distant figure or something on the page of the Bible, when he's real to you. And he was real to Jesus, uh, for they were one and they had been one for all of eternity. And so he comes and he says, Abba, in this moment. That's a word in the Greek that's similar to daddy. In us. And he says, Abba, Father, right? You're my father. There's a term of respect and honor, but Daddy is a term of real intimacy. Uh, his prayer was not to a judge, not to a mediator. It was just to his dad. And uh, I, I love it that Jesus, when he taught us how to pray in Matthew 6, he said, uh, here's, here's pray like this, our Father. Not our judge, uh, although he is that. Not not our mediator, although he is that. Not our uh, you know our comforter, although he is that. He says, "Pray like this, our Father." Go to the Father, right? That's a an intimate term in times of need. You really need your daddy. Mm-hmm. You just need your dad. And I know for many of you listening, that. Is a hard concept because you didn't have a good daddy. And, uh, but I want to tell you something. Your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly dad, even if you had the best dad in the world. He is perfect in love and compassion and mercy and holiness. He's everything you need in a father. So when you're in a really tough time, take time to enter in and and approach him as your father, as daddy. And then secondly, believe in the inexhaustible power of God. He says in this verse, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Now, there's just something about uh, beginning prayer like that. I was just reading Nehemiah 1 and Daniel 9, Daniel's prayer and Nehemiah's prayer, which are almost identical. And both of them, in a moment of great crisis, began with saying, God, you are the great God above heaven and earth. You can do anything. And here's Jesus in this moment saying, Lord, Father, all things are possible with you. You think, this is Christ. He knew that. Why did he need feel the need to say that? There's something in prayer about expressing our confidence in God that does something for us. The Lord knows who he is. But it does something for us, reminding us that there should be nothing outside uh, the scope of our prayer. We can pray about anything. We can pray for anything. All things are possible for you. 
But then here's a here's a third thing that's really important when we're in a tough moment. Uh, be honest. Here's Jesus in Gethsemane, and he said, uh, remove this cup from me. And, you know, uh, three times in Gethsemane, he came back and said, Lord, if it's possible, remove the cup. This reminds us of, of Paul, the apostle, who had a thorn in the flesh that was so tough. And this was a tough critter. I mean, here's a man who'd been stoned and left for dead and shipwrecked and beaten times without number for his faith. And he comes with whatever this thorn in the flesh was and says three times, Lord, would you please take it away? So God doesn't want us to fake it. He doesn't want us to have a faith that uh, tries to act like we're not hurting. God wants us to be real. I remember years ago, I, a precious young couple in our church, and they had a, a baby that had an extremely rare disease. And the baby was born and lived, if I remember correctly, about six weeks. And I, I, I participated in the funeral service for that child. Well, she got pregnant again. And they were so hoping, hoping that she wouldn't, the baby wouldn't have that disease. And everything looked great until the ninth month. And the doctor came in and said, uh, he's got the same disease. Sure enough, she delivered that baby, and it lived for about four or five weeks. Same thing. And I remember standing with Marla in the in the hospital, and she said, Bill, I love the Lord. I know he's in control, but this stinks. It just stinks. And, you know, uh, it's it's good to just be honest with the Lord and with others at times, to say, my soul is burdened. And here's Jesus saying, Lord, th this is painful what I'm about to endure. So there's nothing wrong with, with uh, being honest with God, right? But that honesty ultimately has to lead to a place of surrender, to relax your hands and give full surrender to the, to the sovereignty of God. And I, that's what we love about this Gethsemane prayer is Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, all things are possible with you, but not my will, but thine be done. Uh, you know, there's an old phrase that God always gives the best to those who leave the choice up to him. And the reason is because God knows. I mean, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are greater than our thoughts. That young couple that I just told about, uh, the husband was in med school, and he was just at the point of determining what he would specialize in. And because of what he went through with those two first children, uh, he decided to specialize in, uh, in becoming a, a, a baby doctor, an obstetrician, and, and he's one of the best in the business. You've never met a guy that cares for the patient and the child more than this doctor because of what he experienced. God used that moment, worked it together for good to train him. And God used this moment in Jesus' life, didn't he, uh, to save millions. And everyone who's ever been saved has been saved by the grace of God because Jesus said, not my will, but thine 
be done. I had a I had a uh, man in my church years ago in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, named Bill Berry, and uh, Bill was a uh, Easter Christian. He'd come on Easter and Christmas, and and just really had nothing to do much with the Lord. And then he found out he had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He was a big guy, six four. And two of our men went out to his uh, his trailer and led him to Christ. And Bill got saved from head to toe. I mean, he he really uh, came to Christ. But we we helped him. We we raised money to send him to MD Anderson, and he, he did all kinds of things to try to find out because they told him this was in September that he wouldn't see his birthday in March. And uh, but by the grace of God, Bill lived four more years. He became one of the greatest Christians I've ever known in my life. When he lost the the use of his arms, we rigged up a stand, and he would take a pencil and put it in his mouth and turn the pages uh, with the eraser end of that pencil and read through the Bible four times a year on average. Had no use of his limbs by that point. This was before all the digital helps that we have today. But the greatest thing about Bill was he became the most extraordinary prayer warrior I've ever known. He, I remember sitting at his bed and talking about it one day. Bill saying, what can I do? I said, well, Bill, you can pray. And prayer can do anything God can do. And he said, okay, I'm going to do that. And honest to goodness, if I, if I had anything I needed praying for, I'd go to Bill Berry. And it would happen. It was just it was one of the most effective prayer warriors. His prayers uh somehow touched the heart of God, and things were moved because of his praying at his uh funeral. Fifteen adult men came to faith in Christ now the Thanksgiving before he died i I asked his wife Janie to sit with him because you couldn't hardly hear him anymore uh and to, to get a testimony of thanksgiving, because nobody was more thankful than Bill Berry. And so she wrote it down, what, what he said she could understand him more than most. And the gist of that, that paragraph, I, I have it, he said this, In the first days of my disease, I realized I had to give Christ total control. Nothing else would work. And I totally surrendered my life and my will to him. And from that day till this, nothing has been the same. Surrendered praying. I think, Kyle, it's, it's the heart. Yeah. We may not start there in our prayers. <laughs> right. You know, we may right. be struggling. Yeah. Uh, but somewhere coming to embrace, hey, yeah. God is, is God. He can do yeah. whatever he wants. Yeah. But God is good. Yeah. And he always does what is best, and I can, I can surrender yeah. to him. Yes, coming to that place of surrender, right. even in your prayer life. Right. I remember uh, Blake Hudspeth, one of our uh, associate pastors in our Summit family here, he, he wrestled with the thought of surrender. Like mm-hmm. He wrestled through, what does that really mean? And I think the Lord gave him a very profound uh, definition of it, that surrender is not this act of defeat. It, it's not this omission of defeat. It's an act of trust. Wow. Yeah. That it's not. It's totally got, different. It's, yeah. It's totally going. Yeah. I'm surrendered to you because I trust you. 
Mm-hmm. I trust you. So, you know, I, I remember Tim Keller said that the best definition of the surrendered life mm-hmm. uh, is when you finally have said yes. And and somebody said, well, yes to what? He goes, just yes. Just yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. you, when you come to that place where you say to the Lord, hey, Lord, I just want you to know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That I'm surrendered. And I'm coming to you in prayer going, hey, I might ask you for this, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm surrendered to anything mm-hmm. to follow you in this. And it's because I can trust you. Well, this is Byron Paulus again with One Cry and can't wait to hear another story related to prayer. And so I am delighted to have Terry Long from Alabama, who not only uh, you may know him uh, from the book, 100 Days at the Cross. And his time spent every day for 100 consecutive days um, at a cross that he had constructed and placed along a busy highway in Alabama and uh, had people who would just voluntarily stop, put their prayer request, tack it on the cross and uh, pray for them as they stopped. And what an amazing testimony and how God used that in Terry's life, but even beyond in his congregation and now to many hundreds or thousands that have heard the story. So we have another story today, and I'm going to let Terry tell that story. Terry, welcome. So glad to connect with you again, and I can't wait to have you jump into your personal take on the story of a young guy, right? Fred Lunsford. How old is he? He's 97, Byron. 97 and still kicking and going, yeah. but more importantly, yeah. still praying. Absolutely. So you visited with him. You visited with uh, his pastor, uh, Greg Mathis, who I've gotten connected to. And, and I was able to have uh, Fred Lunsford on a one cry uh, prayer gathering a couple of years ago. Uh, and his story, at least when we all began to become aware of it, was kind of at the beginning of COVID, if I'm not mistaken, not too long before that. Uh, but can, can you just tell us, kind of third person here, uh, yeah. w- what it is that uh, God did in Fred's heart, how that uh, materialized and how it manifested itself and what might be one of the most powerful prayer gatherings taking place Daily today, I understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. So jump in, Terry. I want to hear the story. And let our I was on that prayer ga- uh, gathering call this morning. Um, well, Fred is an amazing person. As you know, he, he is a World War II hero. He stormed the beaches of Normandy. He fought in the Battle of the Bulge. His living room walls are, are lined with decorations and medals and honors he's been given as a result of his heroic uh, work in, in World War II. Uh, but he doesn't talk about that. He wants to talk about Jesus. He wants to talk about revival. He wants to talk about prayer. And uh, I first learned of Fred um, two years ago when, uh, when I believe the SBC executive committee sent out a video called Praying on the Mountain. And you can Google that or YouTube it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the story of Fred Lunsford. It's an amazing story where it really goes all the way back to when he was five years old. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. Uh, His dad had made him a new uh, slingshot, and he was out in the woods at age five with a slingshot, um, and he heard a strange sound, and uh, he didn't know what it was, thought it was an animal or something groaning or, or growling, and then he listened, and it was human. And so he crawled through the weeds and saw a man laying in the leaves by a creek with his uh, on his stomach, with his arms up, praying to God, and and he re- he recognized the man to be Uncle Doc, is who he was known as, Uncle Doc Barker, 
mm-hmm. um, a, a circuit riding preacher who walked mm-hmm. actually 10 miles and to preach. And um, he heard this man pray, God, I'd rather die in this thicket than be a, a powerless preacher. Wow. I'd rather die today than be a powerless mm-hmm. preacher. God, let your Holy Spirit fall on me. Please, mm-hmm. God, let your spirit fall on me. Amen. Well, at five years old, that impacted Fred's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, 90 years later, he's still talking about uh, the story of Uncle Doc. Mm-hmm. At 93, uh, Fred was having some illness. His eyes were failing. His wife had already passed on. He told the Lord, I'm ready to go. I think it's time for me to come home. Mm-hmm. And he said, the Lord said, not yet. And he said, not yet. And he said, you know, I still have a work for you to do. And, um, and the Lord said, I want you to call. I want you to celebrate 70 years in the ministry. And I want you to do everything you can to call um, uh, many, many people to pray for revival. And so Fred set about doing that. And uh, their first goal was to get a thousand people to pray for revival, commit to pray. Uh, he worked with Greg Mathis, and they set up a website to be able to document the people that were committing. Well, they got a thousand people within 48 hours, mm-hmm. so they bumped that goalpost back to 10,000 people. They got that within two months, mm-hmm. uh, uh, two weeks. I'm sorry, and they set it to a hundred thousand, and they got that in two months. So then Fred said, "I believe the Lord wants us to get a million people to pray for revival." When I was up there last year, they had passed the 665,000 mark of people committed to pray for revival. And I just learned back early this spring, they passed a million. So at 97, Fred has accomplished what God, a task. And and many of us believe that was, and Fred believes this is the last task that God has called him to. Wow. Now, when I was, uh, I, I was praying probably two months ago, early May, let's just say it was early May, uh, in prayer, Fred uh, had impacted my life and and his faith had infected me. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord say, I want you to get a million people to pray for a million souls, train and mobilize a million people to win a million souls, and then claim a million souls for Christ. Mm -hmm. The idea is I was burdened for our convention. I was burdened for the SBC. I've seen our, our number, our baptisms decline. Our churches are in decline. And, and, and it's, I just felt like we've got to get our, our convention, our people back to what we're all about, which is missions and, and evangelism. So this was on my heart. And immediately I, I did what I did 10 years ago when the Lord asked me to go out to the cross for 100 days. I pushed it out of my mind, but it wouldn't go away. Yeah. And uh, after a couple of days of struggling with it, uh, I sort of threw up the white flag. I, I sort of I sort of know this. You can't argue with the Lord when he's doing something like this. And and I just said, Lord, it's impossible. I, I don't know how to do that. I have no idea how to go about getting a million people to pray for revival and, and get a million people, a million people to pray for souls to be saved. And um, and then th- this is what I heard from the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? there anything too hard for me? What about Fred Lunsford? You think you can't, what about Fred Lunsford? Yeah. Who at 93 decided he'd call a million people. So I knew I needed to go see Fred. So three weeks ago, I took a pastor in our state and we drove to spend some time with Fred. Amen. 
And I shared this vision with him and Fred was, was visibly moved and felt like this was uh, God's new call. So he has, uh, he has come on board with that million souls. He firmly believes that wow. that's what God's called us to do. And you know this, Byron, you know the outgrowth of revival. Revival is not the end sure. in itself. Sure. Revival brings us to God so that our spirit is yeah. empowered and, and, and revived so that we can win souls to Christ. So evangelism and discipleship is the natural outgrowth of revival. Yeah, it is. So evangelism, is. Evangelism is a byproduct, I believe. The best form yes. of evangelism is a byproduct of revival. And in the Canadian revival, Bill McLeod, who hosted uh, that were it ignited in Canada. He said, remember this, Byron, in times of evangelism, evangelists seek sinners, but in times of revival, sinners, sinners seek the Lord. Seek the, yeah. And so I love so hearing you share it because it's empowered evangelism that does yeah. that. Well, I, I think the Lord's asked me to write a book, a uh, third book now on spirit-empowered evangelism, and I'm researching now the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. So that that'll be uh, over this next year. Great. So what's happened is I've just. I want to go back. This. Hey, can I tell you? Can we go back yeah. to where you visited three weeks ago? And oh, tell yeah. us a little about that encounter with Fred, okay. if you could, and just what was that like? Well, my friend JB Burton and I were in his living room, and and uh, I, I just felt like we should pray for Fred. So we both knelt at in front of his chair and took his hands. And I prayed and then JB prayed. And while JB was praying, Fred let go of our hands. And he said later that he felt strongly impressed of the Lord to take his hands and put them on our head. He doesn't do that very often. He said, I'm very careful about doing this kind of thing. He laid them on our head and then he prayed for both of us. He prayed for God's anointing, God's leadership. But it was a little later that morning. Fred has a call in prayer time. And it was at nine o'clock Eastern time. And we was about 10 minutes to nine. He said, we all just come on into my living room and you can be on this prayer call with us. And Greg Mathis is on there and Chris Schofield from North Carolina and um, David Horton, who's the president of Fruitland Bible College. And then a number of women and other men. There's a group that prays with Fred every morning. Mm. And while that prayer time was going on, all those folks prayed. And then Fred asked me to pray. And I'm sitting next to Fred on the couch. JB's across the in another chair uh, in a part of the living room and no one else was there. There was a housekeeper standing in another room across uh, the kitchen, just reverently with her hands folded and her head down. It's, it's the lady that cleans his house every week. And um, so I prayed and then Fred prayed. And then he asked JB if he wanted to pray. And JB took the phone and walked over, was going to lay down on the floor. He said, I just felt like I needed to get lower. But there was nowhere that he could pray, lay down. So he got, a, he laid across a footstool uh, there in the living room and began to pray. But he couldn't pray really because he was sobbing. The spirit of God had become so real in that room. And at some point while JB was praying, Byron, I don't mm. know how to explain it. I don't know how to even talk about it. I've been very careful how I talk about this. But something happened in that living room. The, the power of God became so real. Fred said he had never experienced anything like it. The people on the phone felt it because I could hear the volume of their responses rise. Greg Mathis said he'd never felt anything quite like that. 
But I, I was jolted up and I, I opened my eyes and Fred had been leaning back on the couch, but he was sitting up. His feet were going up and down. He was mm -hmm. clapping his hands and saying, glory, 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 mm -hmm. had his hands in the air. JB was weeping and I just felt something so powerful. I don't know how to, I couldn't make, I couldn't do anything. So we've, we've had the prayer time. It was the power of God like I'd never felt before in 47 years of ministry in that little house in that living room. But as we left the house, the, the housekeeper commented to JB, made a comment. He didn't tell me about it till an hour later on the way home back to Alabama. He said, you know what that lady told me going out the door? I said, what? She said she had never experienced anything like that, but she put her hands on the wall and felt the wall vibrating. Now, I didn't feel anything vibrating. I asked Fred about it. He said, I don't know. I was shaking so hard from head to toe myself. I didn't know if it was me or the house. But she wrote a statement declaring that she, that the house, she felt the walls were shaking, vibrating, and she was even afraid the, the house might collapse. Fred said he felt something he didn't know how to explain. And I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what to make of that. I'm not trying to make something uh, sensational up here. I just know we experienced the power of God in that prayer time uh, that, that was life-changing. And we're still now three weeks later trying to wrap our minds around what happened. Um, but that, that experience with Fred Lunsford marked me. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm so hungry to be a part of, of any, anything that has to do with praying for revival. Well, you know, uh, it's not contrary to scripture. The place was shaken, it tells us. Yeah. And uh, God's purpose is in that, if nothing else, is to remind us of his manifest presence. Right. And just, just quickly, and thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I think sometimes we limit the hand and the power of God. He's not looking for staticism, but he is looking for extraordinary power. Yeah. And uh, we need to be trusting him for that. Can we quickly go back? Uh, to Fred Lunsford, and there was a place uh, that he would go and pray daily for how many years, regardless of the climate, the weather, is that right? And yeah, yes. just, just let's end again on just a little bit more of that story. Well, it's called Gladys's Prayer Garden, and it was mm -hmm. a prayer garden that he and his wife built around the creek about two miles from where he lives now, next to the old home place where he grew up. And right behind that creek is, is the woods where just a hundred yards out in those woods is where he saw Uncle Doc praying when he was five years old. So this place just has an aura about it. And, uh, and I've been there several times now and spoke out there a month or so ago. There are three prayer meetings going on out there, mm -hmm. seven o'clock in the morning, noon and seven o'clock at night. We just completed 40 days of that. There's just a small group, 20 or 30 people that gather. It's a beautiful little garden. Uh, with a gazebo, and now he's got about a uh, 25, 30 foot cross made of locust wood, I believe, uh, that they've put up there. And Fred has gone, he and his wife would go there every single day for years to pray. And he's gone there every single day after she's died for years to pray. Wow. He never misses. Wow. It's a special place. Wow, what a what a reminder to all of us that are listening to this uh, broadcast today, the podcast of the persistence of prayer. And yeah. um, the other thing I think, Terry, here as we close that uh, struck me at age five is when uh, Fred saw somebody who was crying out to the Lord 
and yeah. sensed God's presence as you shared that story. And when we've been in the presence of God like that, somebody said, when you've been in the fire, the smoke is on your clothes forever. <laughs> And uh, I know that's true with me. 1976, I saw the fire over a community and uh, not literally, but more powerfully than literally and change hearts. And I said, just one more time, Lord, I just one more time. And and to just hear how Fred, all those years, I couldn't just let that go by the wayside. But even at 93, uh, picked it up again and uh, is carrying that. Uh, passion, that fire in his heart. And you are too, Terry, and I'm so grateful for that. So to all of those who are listening to this podcast uh, and to Bill and Kyle as they teach, uh, this matter of prayer in an extraordinary way is not something that I can manufacture, you can manufacture, but it is. Uh, Terry, isn't it something we can ask God for and to put in our hearts? Absolutely. Uh, A twist on the quote that you gave, the first quote in my book on revival, when the fire falls, says, once you've experienced the fire, you can never be satisfied with the smoke. And that's, that's what you and I are giving testimony to. If you've ever been in a situation, a prayer meeting or in the presence of God, you, you long for it. You crave it. Nothing else will satisfy just the presence of God. And you know, when we hear stories of the fire falling somewhere, God moving powerfully somewhere, that's probably why we also read people flocking to just be there and then they're changed forever so thank you and uh, thank you for listening to this testimony one cry family well as always we don't want to talk about it without actually praying so we're going to spend some time here and here's our encouragement each podcast when we take this time please join us like please Mm -hmm. even if bill said this once before even if this is the time to turn it off Mm-hmm. And go get with God until you get this way down in your spirit and do that. But we're going to pray right now, and you can pray with us and enter into this time. I'll start us off and kick it to All you, right. Bill. Lord, we love you, and uh, we can surrender to you because you're trustworthy. And so I, I ask, Lord Jesus, for those moments uh, that the gardens are coming in our life, uh, those Gethsemane moments, uh, Lord Jesus, where it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a total surrender. Uh, Lord, so I pray for the grace of God when we get there. Some of our listeners even now are living there, uh, Lord. And so I, I pray for the grace right now, uh, Lord, to feel those tightened hands open. Mm-hmm. God, to, to feel those uh, tensed up shoulders trying to control it. Mm-hmm. To just breathe and, and, and tighten the, their mm-hmm. sp- even their spiritual muscles, that Lord, to loosen and say, Lord, I trust you. Mm-hmm. I give you my life. I give you my all. I, I will follow you into whatever's ahead and, and ask for your grace in that. So, Lord, I pray for help to live this kind of life and pray this kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, Father, we, wanna, we want to, on our behalf and behalf of our listeners today, resist the enemy. Yeah. And his constant uh, temptations that started in the garden to doubt the mm. character of God. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Lord, we, we hear that whisper all the time. And the weakness of our flesh just accepts it, and we just don't think you know what's best. We, we don't think that to surrender to your will and your way is best. But, Lord, it's, it's not a defeat mm-hmm. uh, surrender, as, mm-hmm. as we've said earlier. Uh, Lord, it's getting in on what God's up to. It's yeah, that's right. it's it's joining the right. conquering King, 
And uh, so, uh, Lord, help us to realize mm. today that your will mm. is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. Mm. It's complete, lacking in nothing. And uh, Lord, the, the men and women who say yes, Lord, yeah. are those who who eat the best of the fruit of the land. That's right. And so I, I just, I pray, Father, that we would let go today yes. and that you would teach us how to to pray surrendered yeah. prayers. Lord, we, we think of, uh, of Jesus telling us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my kingdom, not my will. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we say with Jesus, amen. Well, again, thank you for your time. And I would encourage you, each podcast, specific people are going to come to mind. You're going to hear this today and think, man, my buddy needs to hear this. this. They need this right now. So send it over. like Share Mm -hmm. it with them. Like it on whatever social media platform that you're on, uh, honestly, because we just want to help and see more people come to places of prayer like this. Again, we'll be back next week as we keep walking through this series on all kinds of praying that we hope is a great help to you. See you next week.